The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hello and welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Happy Monday. I am Katie Mox, joined here by Will Brinson and Chris Trapazzo, NFL draft writer and analyst for CBS Sports. Sorry, guys, we're running a little bit late today, but we got caught up talking about the Murdoch trial and other trials that have happened, uh, or murders rather, that Will is very familiar with in his neck of the woods. But fellas, how are we doing? I don't know very why. There's, oh, sorry, I don't know why there's so many like murders and, and things around. I guess it's like the I, South. I'm, I'm worried about you, Will, uh, falling into the trap here. Yeah, I'm, I am, I am too. I'm, there, you know, there, there's been a, there's a, there's a, you know, a string of murders surrounding podcasts. Uh, like, <laughs> like the Pick Six the podcast may transition into a murder trial podcast uh, no coming problem. up here later. But until that day, let's dig into the past four days of prospect workouts for the combine in Indianapolis. All right, guys, we'll start with the biggest one. Like, what is the biggest storyline coming out of the combine? What do you think, Will? Uh, I mean, for me, and I'm, you know, look, I am a, I mean, obviously I follow, you know, watch the whole combine. I've, you know, follow it. I'm an NFL writer, but it is like, it is weird that, uh, you know, that it, for, it's, it's a different thing. Like, like traps is a, like, like you focus heavily on the draft. Ryan Wilson focused heavily on the draft. Josh Edwards yeah. heavily on the draft. Like for me, I, it's almost like, you know, for part of it, the combine is, and always has been, you know, I know these guys because I'm a degenerate who watches a ton of college football on Saturday. <laughs> but, like, but, you know, it's also sort of like a kind of a – it's like a it's like a post-grad – or I don't know, it's like, you know, it's like, the, it's like a graduation ceremony. You know, it's all part of this sort of the – just sort of the, the calendar that, that – how the, the way that it rolls along. And so I think sometimes it's – it becomes just naturally easier for – like me to, 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 like, I think I see the 30,000 foot viewpoint of like what the biggest deal was. And I think it's pretty obvious. It's Anthony Richardson and his performance yeah. and, and sort of putting himself into this. I think he has made himself the most polarizing prospect in the entire draft by virtue of his combine, because he you know weighs 244 pounds. He can do backflips kind of, um, you know, he had a 40.5. <laughs> he, you know, had a 10.9 
broad jump. You know, he he ran a, a, a four four four. Is it four four four? Is that right? Four 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 four, four three official. Okay, four three four four. Yeah, four what, yeah four three nine. Yeah, but I mean, like just insane athletic skill sets. And then you see him get out there to throw. And of course, like when he does the deep balls, it's like holy crap! This guy can absolutely uncork it. And then he does the short stuff, and it's just spray and pray all over the place. Um, yeah, I think you know, like I'm texting threads with my friends on it, where you know we're texting about Anthony Richardson. A lot of Panthers, you know, because the Panthers are right there in the wheelhouse at number nine to possibly take him. And traps sort of like the response was, um, it's like people are like, ooh, but then people are like, I mean, like, is he definitely a quarterback? He is. I know. It's just. I mean, it's it is he is he is a polarizing prospect and didn't become any less polarizing as a result of his incredible performance um, on Saturday. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, that's the biggest storyline to take away from Indy that going in people like myself that are more kind of focused on the draft thought, OK, Anthony Richardson is going to work out well, but we didn't expect him to be 6'4", 244 and then break combine records like we'll just mentioned the highest vertical longest broad jump of any quarterback. He's kind of like a Cam Newton prospect, but I think he's twitchier and more sudden than Cam Newton was. Cam Newton was a, you know, similarly experienced, only one full season at Auburn. We really only got one full season of Anthony Richardson as the starter at Florida. Maybe a little more scattershot than Cam Newton was and wasn't as successful team-wise, of course. Um, but I think with his performance coupled with Bryce Young not working out, although I think it was good that he was over 200 pounds, it was just kind of created this interesting dichotomy. It's like, do you want the high floor kind of outlier type at quarterback with Bryce Young, who's going to be good right away, but maybe doesn't have the big time physical traits? Or will a team like the Panthers, Will's Panthers, or the Colts, or the Texans, or maybe even a team trading into the number one spot, side with Anthony Richardson and just bet on that upside like we've seen at the quarterback spot with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, um, a lot of other quarterbacks that are big, have huge arms, and the supreme athleticism like Anthony Richardson. Do you, hey, yeah, do you think- Anthony Richardson. Oh, no, 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 no. I was gonna, I was gonna, I was just gonna, uh, I, I like, I was gonna ask if it was, it was your turn to talk anyway. But I, I just can't. No, 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 I was, you, 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 <laughs> I was, I was gonna ask like, do you think like the success of like Josh Allen and the ability of like Josh Allen to become this All Pro level MVP caliber guy after a you know a, like the because we always see these trends. Like, for instance, it was fine to draft short quarterbacks first overall, like Baker Mayfield and then and then and then Kyler Murray, because we had like Russell Wilson out there, you know, providing this pathway to success. Yeah. And now that like Kyler's, you got questions about Kyler and Baker's been bouncing around and Russell's really struggled. It's like almost like that's caused this like change, Katie, where people don't want to go to Bryce Young. They're like, ooh, yeah. give us the Josh Allen type because that's so easy to replicate, right? Yeah, I agree with you. And I think he obviously has the biggest buzz of any prospect due to his like outworldly athletic gifts. But I'm not huge on watching the combine. I mean, I just started to this year, obviously coming on this show. But how about Nolan Smith, guys, the edge rusher Mm. from Georgia? I felt like he looked more receiver like 4.39 for the 40 yard dash, 41 inch vertical leap. You know, his frame is small. So when he first came out, it seemed like maybe he wasn't going to do that well. And I don't think he's going to be a fit for every team. But now I can kind of see him going maybe top 25. Yeah, I think that is in the cards, uh, probably even the first half of round one. Um, Hassan Reddick, in terms of his size, is is kind of a comparable 
Hassan Reddick yeah. coming out of Temple, I've uh, kind of tested pretty similarly. Like you mentioned, Katie, a lot of teams are going to say, hey, look, we want our edge rushers at least 6'3 and over 250 pounds. Nolan Smith is not that. Um, slightly different size. He kind of res- like his whole college career reminds me of Rashawn Gary coming out of Michigan, that he was like someone that was crazy athletic, didn't have all the polished pass rushing moves, clearly was a developmental type player, still went in the first round of the Packers, and it took a year or two for him to really come into his own. But before his injury this past season, he was looking like one of the best young outside pass rushers in the NFL. And I think that's what teams will kind of aim for. It's kind of a similar parallel to Anthony Richardson to Josh Allen. They'll kind of do the same with Nolan Smith to someone like Hassan Reddick or Rashawn Gary. I mean, anytime you run a four, you know, four, three, <laughs> as an Come edge on, for a big guy. Yeah. I No, no. I mean, like you are, look, you look at like a guy like Jordan Davis, right? From last year who, and obviously not an edge rusher, but an interior lineman. He runs, what do you, what do you run? Like a, like a four, like four, one, two, like, <laughs> like a four, five or something like that. Or maybe even a four, four. Um, there's even a four, eight and his size. It's just, when you do that, it, it, it just changes everything about like, for instance, Jordan Davis did, you know, he was somewhat situational. Right. And like, even if he had this, all this great production and we saw it on the tape and everything like that, you still, it, what it does is it vaults you up. It, it's just, everyone is in the NFL is watching the combine. And if you go up there and it's stupid, like a 40 shouldn't matter that much, but what it does is it, it you, you also take in, this is sort of what teams do too. And, and we have you know, media, media ways to do it like mock draftable, um, the RAS scores, all of that, like relative athletic scores and all those things that it, it takes this athletic profile and you have spark to the te- you know, the, like these teams do the same thing. They have these athletic yeah. profiles. And when you have a four, three at his size, even if the 40 is a completely irrelevant metric for your ability, you know, like, like you're not going to run a 40 in the NFL. Like it just doesn't happen that often in an NFL game. Like it doesn't matter that much, but when you have that, when you yeah. have that, it becomes part of that profile that teams build out and it vaults a guy like Nolan Smith way up where it's like, holy crap. Like, yeah, this guy's was really good, but like the, his upside is just outrageous because of this athletic profile. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. I will have to say one guy from the chat, Ty Joseph, are we worried that Brinson will be the victim or the culprit in the next? I think Carolina culprit. I'm, I'm culprit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it's 50 50. And I think for you to be the victim, though, I mean, we all saw you run without wearing shoes on the last podcast. So I think it depends on if you're wearing shoes or not, whether you fall victim. So the, the I, I agree with that. And hopefully not my elf shoes. Um, the uh, it's also, as my dad says, you don't have to you don't have to outrun the bear. You just got to outrun mm-hmm. your buddy. You know, yeah, like, the cocaine bear. If you, if you, could you, out, could changing, you outrun the cocaine bear? No, I could not. No, God, no, I could not run the cocaine bear. That bear is fast as hell. He's on a bunch of cocaine. Um, I do love True. that this is like an unofficial cocaine bear podcast, though. It, it is, and I'm actually proud of that as well. Okay, so let's get back to the draft. Who do you guys think helped their draft stock the most? I can start. I'll go with Jacorian Bennett, which to a lot of listeners and viewers are going to say, who in the hell is that? That's the point, because he came in as kind of the other Maryland cornerback, Deontay Banks, over six foot, over 200 pounds, ran in the mid four threes. Everyone's like, okay, this guy's going to go in the first round. Then his teammate, Jacorian Bennett, that played inside and out a little bit more in the slot. He made some plays. That's not really where Deontay Banks thrived at Maryland. He runs 4-3-0, has a broad jump over 11 feet, which is with just a few inches below Deontay Banks, um, big time vertical over 40 inches. And I think 
for kind of being in the shadows of Deontay Banks, I don't really think that's the case anymore for Ja'Korian Bennett. Now, I do think Deontay Banks will ultimately get picked maybe even a round or two ahead of Ja'Korian Bennett. Um, but because of his versatility at 5'11", 188 pounds, with what we know now is elite explosiveness and high-end speed, like one of the fastest 40s that we saw of anyone run at the combat. I think, I, I want to say the second fastest. Um, now, second or third round is not out of the equation for Ja'Korian Bennett. I liked his ball skills on film too, um, and Maryland has a long history of just pumping out big-time athletes. Um, so Ja'Korian Bennett, Kind of came in somewhat of an obscure prospect with a bigger name teammate at the same position, and I don't really think that's the case anymore. Uh, I'll go with, um, and I, th- I think this qualifies. And you know, traps, you can tell me if I'm if I'm right or wrong, and like whether this is, he benefited this much. It's sort of a combination of how the other receivers perform because it's not. It wasn't a great like we got some speedy receiver runs on the second uh, group of them, but for the by and large, like you know, it's kind of a. It, it felt like it was slow. It, yeah, it was not like this whole receiver class in general. It didn't live up to the hype. Yeah. yeah. It, it is not it is not one of those top end like there are top end guys. There, there's some good players. They're not this is not like a you know uh Justin Jefferson, C D Lamb, like you know, we're lo- there are it's a this is not like a loaded, like elite level guys. Like there's I don't think there's a Jamar Chase in this class, for instance, et cetera. Uh but I think one guy who really helped himself was a North Carolina wide receiver going very off brand here, Josh Downs, who uh who ended up like so it's very like Downs is more of a slot guy, right? But yeah, he oh, is, all slot, yeah, all slot, yeah. But he is, but welcome to the NFL. I mean, you're running, you're running three, you know, you're running, you know, three wide like 60% of the time, plus actually, probably maybe up to 70% of the time. And the way that he performed at the combine, showing some speed, looking just very natural in the catching drills. And I think with the other performances from top, like higher up wide receivers, you could, I don't think it's crazy that Zay Flowers could be wide receiver one off the board now as a result of just what, like if you, if you took a sort of a straw poll right now, but I think downs, even though he is a slot guy and he does have kick return potential as well. Um, you have very good pedigree played at a high level in college. Um, you know, you know, is is just a, a, a baller and like he's just going to be a, a guy who eats it up underneath and a really really dangerous weapon i think i don't know that he is in like, you tell me traps is he in first round discussion because i think he was probably a day two guy just because of the limitations with slot and even with the kick returns but like now is there a chance that he could even like slid up a little bit yeah i think he could be one of the last picks in the first round that wouldn't yeah. be crazy um like i said that it, it kind of didn't live up to the hype andy redrafted this guy like yeah. he, would, he would be petrified of him in Andy Reid's system. For sure, for sure. Um, what I was saying earlier that it didn't really live up to the hype. I mean, we've kind of gone in like understanding that this is not a Jamar Chase, Drake yes. London, Garrett Wilson type class. But Jalen Hyatt was supposed to run crazy fast. He runs 4-4 flat at like 170 plus pounds. Jordan Addison was 5'11", 173. And he almost ran 4-5 in the 40-yard dash. And that is certainly a position where you are going to run 40 yards down the field as fast as you can at, at receiver. So for Josh Downs to be near the top of the vertical, near the top of the broad jump, better than, than some of his wide receiver contemporaries, the first round, I always say this, is probably more so about traits than if you're actually a really good football player, whether it comes to quarterback like we've been talking about, Trevon Walker being the number one overall pick last year. It's a lot about traits. And with Jalen Hyatt not running as fast, we didn't see Quentin Johnson run the 40. Josh Downs, um, Jackson Smith, Najigba did a a lot for themselves. They came in kind of presumed to be not that explosive, but they ultimately were. 
Um, and, and sorry, I just point out. I, I just noticed this. I like to, and no, no offense to CBS, whatever. NFL.com. <laughs> um, I, I don't want to get in trouble for this. NFL.com's draft profile page, draft page, draft profile pages. They just have. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the NFL. Like, I mean, they, I mean, they got they got just stuff that they got stuff that like, we don't have. For instance, they just added this this year. I've never seen this before. A next gen stats score breakdown of uh, of players. Josh Downs scores an 86, which would you know is, is a very good score. Uh, would be making the second second wide receiver in the combine, and then an 88 production score uh, would be the third in terms of the. Uh, and I don't know exactly what's going into it. I'm going to dive into that, but I think that's really interesting that um, they've added that because they got these trackers on all these kids, and so you're sort of mm-hmm. seeing how they do. Like he checks in as like the 19th in terms of athleticism score, but it's just this is a guy that's going to make an impact early on. I think. Go Tar Heels! Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's that's the wide receivers. I actually was looking at the running backs, and I think that Chase Brown out of Illinois kind of surprised me. He ran a 4.43 40-yard dash, which is actually faster than I thought he would go. He led all combine running backs with a 40 with his 40-inch vertical and 10.7, excuse me, 10 foot seven uh, broad jump. He was pretty solid during drills. Traps, I would like to know what you think about this because I think that his speed and his shiftiness could lead him to be picked on day two of the draft. What did you think of him? Yeah, I mean, to have that kind of workout, he and his brother, Sidney Brown, the safety from Illinois, had like almost identical workouts. It was pretty crazy. Um, Chase Brown on film is a really good player. He's been a, a very productive running back for the Fighting Illini and now we know he's an elite level athlete. And again, I, I I think teams, that was the one concern. How explosive is he? Um, at the running back position today, it seems like more and more teams, as they're drifting away from handing their running back the ball 15 to 20 times yeah. per game, when they do hand them the ball, they want them to be able to hit those big plays. We always hear about your ability to catch the ball. That certainly matters. I think Kyle Shanahan has kind of pioneered this, just always prioritizing speed at the running back spot. So now with Chase yeah. Brown, you know, if it gets blocked up right in front of him and it's all contingent upon your, your offensive line, Chase Brown can hit that long run. So it's always going to be different boards in terms of the running back position among teams based on, you know, scheme, you know, did they run in a zone blocking scheme, whatever, but teams are prioritizing speed more. So that is going to bode well for Chase Brown. If he's a third round pick, I won't be surprised at all. Ooh, that'd be a nice pull for him. Yeah, you, you perked up my interest when you said Kyle Shanahan. Do you think that he would be a good fit for the Niners? <laughs> we always need well, running backs over here in San Francisco. <laughs> I mean, they don't – it's so weird because the 49ers, I think, I mean, with Kyle Shanahan's scheme, like he could get production out of Brinson if he was in the backfield, but he constantly likes to whether sign free agents, trade sure. for Christian McCaffrey, draft Trey Sermon, draft Elijah Mitchell, throw in Jeff Wilson, then let him go. Um, it wouldn't shock me if they go back to the running back well, because I think he just loves the running back position and gets kind of enamored with those speed guys, which certainly Chase Brown would check that box. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break here. You're watching the Pick 6 podcast. We'll be right back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. All right, welcome back on the Pick 6 podcast. And brackets are back. And you can get in on the madness today on the CBS Sports app. Run men's and women's pools with friends and enter our bracket challenges for the chance to win a new car and trips to the 2024 Final Four. Play today on the CBS Sports app or visit cbssports.com slash play to sign up. No purchase necessary. See terms and rules for details. All right, we are back here. Katie Mox, Will Brinson, and Traps, as I just learned that your uh, nickname is here. Fellas, Will gave me that one last year. He, he's good with nicknames. I will say, Will, you very they good just with like, nicknames. They just like roll off the tongue with him. <laughs> I don't think I'm really good at much. I'm like average at a lot of stuff. I think it's so my, my nickname that he gave me is Kelly. So it's, that's uh, it's slightly, that's really <laughs> different. But it's actually my it's actually my fault because when I when I first started at Sportsline and Will came on as an analyst, I mixed up his name with Ryan Wilson's name and I called him Brian on air. Called him Brian, mm. and, you know, obviously his name is Will Brinson. <laughs> then he was like, "Yeah, sure, whatever, Kelly." And so that's yeah. that's where we land today. But all right, we talked about who did good. I was, I was, I was not offended, and and, and 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 so that's. But you know, I gave you your own. Yeah, I gave you your name out of you know. Respect. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and and it works now. Kelly, Kelly, and Brian. It sounds like. Um, Brian. Did y'all ever watch the the very first season of um, not The Voice? What was the very first one? Amer- no, not America's Got Talent. What is the first singing competition? The very first one. Uh, oh, um, American Idol. American Idol. American Idol. Yes, American Idol. The first one, I think it was uh, Kelly, whatever one. And they had that movie. I don't know why I'm getting into this, but that movie that was like from Justin to Kelly. I kind of feel like that's a from. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I, 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 I love Fantasia, who won like the second or third one. Do you remember her? She's from my my hometown. Everything comes back to Brinson, I feel like. Anything we talk about that's not football is like, oh, yeah, that was in my backyard. Or also that guy. Like, why is it not home? It's like, welcome to High Point, home of Fantasia. It's like, why is it not welcome to High Point, home of Brian Brinson? Like, what what are we doing here? Yeah, exactly. Um, I thought that High Point was the home of furniture. Yeah, it is the furniture capital of the world. That's probably gonna ha- that's probably gonna hold up for longer than however I, I work in sports or Fantasia. It's Fantasia got it there. Come on. All right. Well, from Fantasia back to the draft, who do you guys think hurt their draft stock the most? Well, start with you, Tarps. Well, Traps, Traps, you had it listed. So I mean, I'll let you. You had Jordan Addison listed, and I think that's like a pretty easy. I mean, like I was that that stood out. I'm not saying I'm not saying you picked the low hanging. I'm I'm saying like it's a very very obvious situation for for him because this is a guy that you know. Like we thought could be like what he was like didn't Kenny Pickett say come get me or like or like he was like come get me talking to the Steelers yeah. like, to match him up and it's like a guy who has been I mean he got insane nil money to go to USC out of Pittsburgh uh, I believe and and he is was considered like a top wide receiver prospect and now 
you know, you just see the way that this is shifting around. It does it again. It, it, it's, it's very easy when you come into these, you know, come to these draft classes to think like, okay, you know, we're going to compare this top receiver in this class to, um, you know, the top receiver in a class the year before, but it's just, as you point out, like it's, it's, it's not the reality in this case. And, and Addison certainly hurt himself. Yeah. I mean, like I said earlier, 5'11", 173. So when we all saw that in Indy, we're like, oh, he's going to run crazy fast, solidify yeah. himself as wide receiver one, runs 449, one of the lowest broad jumps, one of the lowest verticals um, among the wide receivers. I think at this point, and again, this is kind of the craziness and the impact that the combine can have. We're probably talking about Jordan Addison more one of the last picks, maybe from 25 to 32 in that range. When again, a week ago, it was like, you, like I mocked him to the Houston Texans at 12 a lot and Texans fans loved that. Like it seemed like an obvious selection. I remember being on this show back in 2018, Will, and I put up a big red flag for Calvin Ridley because I was like, this guy's older, he's small, he's light, he didn't work out well. I was wrong about that one because Calvin Ridley ultimately became a pretty good receiver. I mean, he certainly got to start his career with uh, Julio Jones there in Atlanta, but what made me think about, hey, like there are some comparisons between Jordan Addison's game and Calvin Ridley's game. We're just looking at the draft. There are other guys that are similar size that didn't test very well, that haven't been good, like Jalen Rager, um, like Nelson Aguilar, who's you know been decent, but I think teams that are drafting Jordan Addison want more than Nelson Aguilar. Early second round picks like Marquise Lee, Andy Isabella, Dante Pettis. So for every like miss with a Kelvin Ridley, that's just not a, a high level athlete at that size. There's a bunch of misses. So Jordan Addison to me, Kayshawn Boutte also from LSU, another bigger name wide receiver that just did not test well. And teams want to see big testing numbers in the first round. Yeah, I don't know if it's because I'm just uh, a 49ers fan, so I'm just zeroing in on all of the uh, running backs here, but Tank <laughs> Bigsby out of Auburn, I feel like he kind of disappointed and maybe his his stock uh, plummeted a little bit. Because if you look at this, there's a lot of middle-tiered ball carriers entering the draft, so he really needed to dazzle. And I feel like he just fell short. He ran a 4.56, 40, 32 and a half vertical jump, 9.11 broad jump. I just feel like he didn't stand out like he needed to. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think with Bigsby, that was the name of the game with him on the field is his his explosiveness and how we can hit some of those big plays. Um, so I'm certainly, you know, thinking that some scouts will say, look, I'm just going to lean on the film. And, and I saw him run away from some people in the SEC. Others will say, well, yeah, four, five, six, uh, lower vertical, lower broad jump. That's not going to tick the box in the middle of the draft. And Katie, you're right. This draft, and to me, almost every draft, has a litany of just quality running backs, big-time talents, rounds three, four, five. If the blocking is good, they can be solid contributors at the next level. Um, can I, can I like, I don't, I don't want to lob him out as a, I don't know how, I don't know how to phrase this. Like, because I don't want to say like his stock got hurt. Because like, so Bryce Young got measured. I think it's, you know, mm. the fact that he's, it's like, it's insane to, it, it's, it's like, oh, he's over 200. Well, he's fine then. It's like, dude, I could add like 15 pounds in like a day. Like, just give me some <laughs> IPAs and some Ben and Jerry's. Like, okay, I can, like, I can, like, I can, I can like shoot up to whatever, it up. whatever you number you need. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, fire up some. So, but I sort of wonder, like, with the Bryce Young thing, the way that the quarterbacks threw, like, CJ Stroud was so freaking good in that throwing session. Yeah. I wonder, like, did Bryce Young hurt his stock by not throwing, Katie? Like, do you think that, like, if he, if he goes out there and throws and balls out, like, do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, does that, does that, how much did that affect it in, in sort of your opinion? I'm in, obviously you two traps. 
Um, I mean, for me, yeah, I would agree with you on that one, but I didn't really look too much into it. So let's try traps. Yeah, no, I mean, so- I, I think he hurt his stock. I mean, you're right, Will, that being 204, which I think he probably crushed a gigantic breakfast right before he yeah, like, out I mean, I'm, eating, I'm cooking like, wow. I'm eating like, I'm eating like a, like a, like, sir, did you really mean to order a, a, a tomahawk steak for breakfast? I'm like, yeah, I did. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not working. Yeah, out. I just, Wade, I don't like, think yeah. he plays anywhere close to 204, but that's on the record now 204. So that's good for him. What to me, like, I don't blame him for doing it because his two years of film at, at Alabama were so good. But CJ Stroud had really good film at Ohio State, too. And he decided to show off his accuracy. And if you're Bryce Young, he could have said, All right, I'm not gonna run the 40, I'm not gonna, you know, try to stack up with Anthony Richardson or even Will Levis's athleticism, but I'm gonna be like CJ Stroud said, a ball placement specialist and just throw perfect strikes in the throwing sessions. No one would have, you know, totally bashed his stock if he didn't throw well, but I think he would have. So sitting out, I, I get it, but he did not necessarily help himself as much as I think the 204 at the the beginning of the week maybe indicated because everyone around him, the two marquee names, Stroud and Richardson, balled out in Indy. This is actually a good point for Don too, by the way. Sorry, not, but it's just like Young is gonna like he's gonna lose all that weight, yeah. his pro day, and then throw and look awesome. That's that's probably what it's gonna be. Yeah, yeah. And Thomas Scott said that his was Levis. He did disappoint, but he was just meh. Anthony Richardson took all his momentum. Yeah, yeah that's a good point, especially with Will Levis during the podium session. Which I don't blame these guys for being confident. Will Levis said that I have the strongest arm to enter the NFL in a long time, and then. I didn't think it was, yeah, it it, it was good, but I think Richardson was more effortless. You don't have Josh Allen's arm, bro, and Anthony no. Richardson was just stronger in this class, so that's yeah. a bit of an egg. And he, he did have great hair, though. I liked his hair. He, very nice hair. Floppy, floppy. <laughs> that counts for something. Good hair counts for something. It does. All right, guy. anyone else we want to weigh in that stock down, or should we take a quick break? I'm good. I think we covered the main ones all right we've covered it which means we're taking a quick break you're watching the pick six podcast we'll be right back the baseball season is in full swing which means you need to listen to fantasy baseball today part of the cbs sports podcast network join scott white chris towers and me frank stample every weekday as we recap every player from every game we'll talk waiver wire ads drops players to trade for prospects who could make an impact and everything in between Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Calvin, you play golf. You think you can win one of those green jackets at the Masters? Well, if it's for being the most loving neighbor of the year, yes. It's a tradition unlike any other. The Masters on CBS. All right. Welcome back to the Pick 6 Podcast. We are talking or recapping the NFL Combine. Now let's talk quarterbacks. Traps, who is your number one quarterback and why? It's CJ Stroud. I mean, everyone thinks that it's Anthony Richardson because I put him at number one in my mock before the combine because I thought he was going to you know, test really well. And there's always that riser. But it's actually Stroud because I think he gives you the best of both worlds in that he has the pocket passing of Bryce Young. He's not quite as creative as Bryce Young, not as athletic as Anthony Richardson, 
but the ability to thread the needle through tight windows, I think he does that a little better than any of the quarterbacks in this class. Two years, a lot of big games. That Georgia game did have an impact on me that he was able to show his ability to improvise outside of the pocket. He's he's not going to run away from a ton of people, but I don't think Patrick Mahomes or even Justin Herbert like are crazy good runners, but they have enough functional athleticism to just make that edge rusher miss for a split second so they can get the throw off. I think that's what Stroud gives you. Um, he feels like high floor, and because he's relatively young, he's a lot younger than Will Levis. I think there's upside with him as well, that he can only get better, um, maybe work on you know, maybe losing a little bit of weight and getting more athletic. But in terms of just being a pure passer, I think C.J. Stroud is the best quarterback in this class. Mm, spicy. I, I mean – I have like a bias against Ohio State quarterbacks, and I probably should. I mean, I probably <laughs> should. Just, I get it, though. I get it. I mean, it's just like they don't like they haven't like you know, and fields you know, TBD. Um, but they they haven't they just haven't worked out at the NFL level. And but I mean, Stroud. I mean, you Stroud. You see it. I'll tell you the one thing about him is like this ball placement is just outrageous. The entire throwing session, putting it exactly mm-hmm. where you need it to be. And then it's juxtaposed with like Anthony Richardson, who looks like a total freak. And is just like, can't hit a guy in the hands five, you know, seven yards away on a quick out. And so Stroud said that too. I think he's like told Stacey Dales, he's like, I'm the ball. He's like, I'm the, I'm the ball placement guy. And you know, that accuracy, like not just, not just throwing the pass where it needs to be, but throwing the pass like into a very specific window that makes it easy for your receivers touch. to catch. That yeah, that goes yeah that that touch goes a long long way. I mean, I think I would still go to Bryce Young first overall, but I, I mean first overall quarter. My would be my top quarterback, but like this is a really tough class because you can find faults and, and concerns with each of them, and, and certainly Bryce Young's build, Katie is like I mean you know for me that's you know that's that's like the it's a it's a fair red flag. Like I'd like him to be a little. I need that second T. I need that second C in thick. That's what I need. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, especially when you look at people like Kyler Murray, and he's got a problem with that too. I agree with uh, traps here with CJ Stroud out of Ohio State, and I hear you will because they haven't really translated out of Ohio into the league. But I was reading a quote: CJ Stroud tells his critics, "I've been the best player in college football." I don't know about all that though. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, like I said, these guys always have to showcase that confidence. I think at the quarterback spot, it's become that type of position. So I don't blame them, but like the Will Levis comment was weird. That comment from Stroud was a little bit strange, but I don't think it's going to like push him down the board or anything. Yep. All right. Dom in the chat says, although I like Stroud because he grew up living at a public, living at a public, his sorry public storage with his mom. Okay. I don't know what we're talking about there, Dominic. We'll go ahead and skip that one. Who are the sleepers that we should keep keep an eye on uh, heading into pro days and the rest of the draft process? Um, I will kind of go with uh, one player that to me had the most impressive performance, but I want to just see, track how he does. Oh, you can just give out too, because like I'm not sitting on like a whole list of sleep traps. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. Zach, Zach Coons. <laughs> this is not my job. <laughs> Zach Coons from old Zach Coots from Old Dominion uh tested like the most explosive tight end at the combine. He's older. He started at Penn State, was there three years, and then at Old Dominion for two years. Six seven, legitimately six seven. 255 tested through the roof and it shows on film that kind of receiver like ability he could add probably five or ten pounds and it would be no problem in terms of you know sapping any of his athleticism I just want to see where he ultimately stacks up in this loaded tight end class to be that size to run that fast to have you know a 40 inch vertical 
broad jump close to 11 feet. Like he tested like some of the corners and the wide receivers. 10 of, um, and then, 10. Yeah, absolutely nuts. Like his combine workout. And he came in as like old dominion tight end. who's really tall, kind of skinny. Like, how's he going to work out? And then he was the most athletic tight end there. And then uh, Darrell Chami from Maryland. And I'm listing him. He's an obscure name. Wasn't at the Senior Bowl or the Shrine Bowl. I think he was at the NFL PA Bowl, which is kind of like the third in line when it comes to the um, All-Star games after college football season. I really like him on film. I think he's bendy. I trust certainly the strength and conditioning program there at Maryland that's with Deontay Banks, Jacorian Bennett, um, Jalen Duncan, the, the left tackle, also very athletic. I think at the Maryland Pro Day, Darrell Chami is going to kind of insert himself fourth or fifth round range, bendy pass rushing specialist that for some reason is just off the scouting radar. And usually the East West Shrine game, the senior bowl, they do a better job than I do identifying these kind of obscure talents. But if I'm going way out of left field, Darrell Chami from Maryland back in 2020, that COVID year, he was unblockable. It was the shortened season in the big 10, but really was like the best pass rusher in those four or five games for Maryland never was able to rekindle that. But the fact that I saw it means that he can do it. That's what I heard a lot this week in India. Um, A lot of other analysts and some scouts were saying that they like to just see it once or twice or for a short stretch from a player. They believe that if they get that guy in the building, deal with their their assistant coaches, um, that they can ultimately get that out of them once they're in the NFL. Uh, But I was going to ask Travis, who is the – most i know my answer here this is like just like the most obscure combine blow up prospect that you've that you've covered I mean, for me it's, for me it's like so it's ali marpet um because mm. when he was like coming out it was like people were like watch out for this marpet kid coming out of hobart and he just lit up the combine we were all this is like 2013 maybe god i'm old um but uh yeah i mean like we were just like like that to me like was the, the craziest like out of nowhere left field D3 problem. hobart yeah yeah, I mean Hobart. Like I didn't know. I went to Google Hobart. I remember writing about it. That's how. That's how long ago it was. I wrote about it. Um, <laughs> I'll go way back too, and I'll stick with Maryland. Actually, do you remember Bruce Campbell? Oh yeah, the offensive tackle. Like his film was not very good, and like he looked like a tight end at the combine, and he tested. I don't remember all of his numbers, obviously, but he tested like ridiculously, and that was like the Al Davis Raiders. So they picked him, I think, in the third round. Um, was not a very good football player, but that one was like super obscure where it was like, Oh, who is this Maryland offensive lineman here? That's not very good. And then he tested really well, which to me, it's always crazy. Like the NFL, the scouting departments, they identify the Ali Marpets, the Kyle Duggars from Lenore Ryan, again, coming back to will in the North Carolina area, like everything does. (laughs) Um, Like that one was pretty obscure too. Like he looked good on film, but it was like, okay, it's D two football. Like how athletic is he really? And then Kyle Duggar had a really good workout and has actually become a good player with the Patriots. Tarps, I'm also curious what you think, uh, and we talked about this last week, but obviously you weren't on the show. What do you think of Jalen Carter now and his and how he's going to do with the draft? Yeah, I, I, I think he certainly uh, had his stock impacted negatively and that it, it going into it was all, is it going to be Jalen Carter or Will Anderson as the first non-quarterback off the board? Most people, I think, were leaning Jalen Carter as I was because I think it's harder to find a really good interior pass rusher than it is to find a really good edge rusher. But now, as this kind of hangs over his head, 
there will be teams that will take Jalen Carter off their draft board. This is a pretty serious thing, compounding mistakes that one fateful night, tragic incident, of course. Some teams will not be as worried. Other teams will dig into it more. If this is still hanging over his head, this could be on a lesser degree of what happened to L. Collins in the 2015 draft. That was a murder case, which is kind of a weird uh, kind of full circle here to what we were talking about at the beginning. But that was hanging over his head on draft night. And L. Collins was supposed to be a first round pick. And he ultimately went undrafted. He went undrafted. He went undrafted. So if you're Jalen Carter, even if it's something where he, you know, does have a punishment for this, you want it to come down before the draft yeah. happens in late April, because with Lyle Collins, it was like, well, well what's going to happen? Is he implicated in this or not? And he, like right. Will saying, he was a lock, probably top half of the first round and didn't even get picked. The one thing about Lyle Collins too, though, is like he, in that situation, if I recall correctly, he, and it's like, it's insane how many different, it, that happened like very close to the draft. Whereas mm-hmm. with Taylor Carter, and you heard Daniel Jeremiah say it in the broadcast, teams were not, Teams were teams were as surprised as we were by the Jalen Carter news that yeah. came, they didn't know it was coming, and so that becomes that's where it gets really tricky because it's not like the prospect has gone to the team and again like sort of taken just being from the objective NFL team standpoint here like the, the this prospect has not come to these teams and said here's an issue that I've got like that we've that I've got hanging out there this is something that's going to pop up it's more like one did you like did you know all this was coming two. You know, did you were you trying to maybe hide it a little bit, like et cetera, et cetera? So I think like that's that's what, and we don't know, but you're gonna have a lot of questions you're gonna have to ask um, that, that you're gonna be asked by these teams about not just what happened, why you were in, why you were why you were in this situation, but also like the dissemination of the information to the teams. Why did it come out right before the combine, and why didn't why did teams not know about it despite having already done some interviews, I believe. Yeah, what was weird about it, too, is that, um, just real quick, that I believe that it was like that he lied to the police and said he he was a mile away from the incident when he was actually right Oof. there. That's, That's what I'm saying about compounding mistakes. I think if it came out from the get-go that he was right there, he wasn't in the car, he wasn't responsible, would have been a red flag, but like, you know, just a terrible incident and kind of move on from there. But the fact that it's like, those character concerns, I think, are a little bit easier to understand now where it's like, oh, but then he lied to the police, was not being fully truthful to NFL teams, and now it comes out right before he speaks at the Combine. That's why I think it's still looming over his head, and teams are going to say, look, if you make a mistake, own up to it um, instead of trying to, you know, you as a marquee in the spotlight draft prospect, we're not going to be able to get away with, you know, lying to the police and saying that you weren't there when you actually were. Yeah, uh, Thomas Scott has a hot take. Nolan Smith, greater than Jalen Carter. I love this because he's one of my favorite mm. storylines coming out of the combine. But what do y'all think? Um, um I, well, go ahead, take I, it. I think I think that the maybe, <laughs> I think that maybe the take is like, I think that's a hot take. It's not crazy. Uh, maybe the, the, the hot the, take. The, yeah, it's a hot take. But like, I don't think it's entirely insane that he gets drafted over Jalen Carter either. I think just no, because of like. Because of what there is a lot of unknown with what is going on, and that when there's a lot of unknown, um, you know, it it it, it creates variables in a an already very very uh, an already variable draft situation. And one thing I'll say about that, it's not like a scorching hot take because Nolan Smith was the number one overall recruit coming out of high school just a few years ago. So the talent is undeniably there. He's been on the radar 
since really his freshman season at Georgia and before the torn pack, very, very productive as a pass rusher. Again, without having like a loaded pass rush move arsenal, he was just winning with burst and bend around the corner. That's exactly what I remembered and really didn't like about Rashawn Gary. But again, Rashawn Gary's become a good player, Hassan Reddick, similar size. So it wouldn't be crazy if, you know, there are some maturity issues with Jalen Carter, maybe gets off to a slower start in the NFL. And in a few years, Nolan Smith kind of rounds his game together um, and becomes that elite pass rusher because he does have those uncoachable traits. Yeah, Billy just put in the chat, would you draft Jalen Carter in the first round? Traps, would you? I would. Um, I would feel a little more leery if it was in the top 10 at this point. And I could give a completely different answer if we do get some more clarity in like a month. Um, but yeah. that's what I, during the combine, when I got asked that question on a few radio spots, that's what I said. Like, it's easy for me or Will or Katie to say, yeah, you know, still pick him there. It's a different thing when you're the GM. Say you're a first time GM and you see all these really good prospects yeah. out there. It's a great defensive line class. Are you going to roll the dice on someone with that hanging over his head? Or are you going to pick Lucas Van Ness from Iowa or Kalijah Cansey from Pittsburgh that pretty close, maybe 80 or 90% of Jalen Carter, but don't have the off the field stuff to really be worried about. I think when you're really in the line of fire there, it's like easier to pick the prospect that doesn't have those off field concerns. I mean, I'll be the, like, again, like, I don't, we don't know the exact details of what happened. So yeah. I, I, I stick my foot in my mouth all the time with stuff like this. <laughs> but as, as it stands right now, I'm, I'm probably pulling the trigger on Jalen Carter if he falls to me. And I think that top, two, you know, yeah. I mean, I think if he falls out of the top five. I'm probably pulling the trigger. If he falls out of the top 10, I'm definitely pulling the trigger. Um, mm -hmm. Now, again, these circumstances, NFL teams will know more. There will be teams that have um, Jalen Carter off their board. Because they just don't, yeah. they're not going to go that direction, you know. And yeah. there will be, you know, there will be teams who move them down a lot. There will be teams who don't move them down, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I think that um, what you, like, my, my, my theory, my thing is, again, I go back to that quote from Steve Kahn, former Cardinals GM. If Hannibal Lecter ran a four four forty, he'd get drafted. <laughs> you know, like that's that's just the bottom line. But and maybe taking advice from Steve Kahn as a GM is. But yeah. you're right. You're right. I get what you're no, saying. It's true. It's like we. If if Jalen if Jalen Carter was a fifth round pick, it's just we're not even having this discussion, right? Like no. it's it's only because he's a first round caliber talent that yeah. it is, you know. I, I think I think everybody right now, given the uncertainty of what we don't like, what we don't, what we know, and what we don't know, is like if he fell to my team, I'm probably taking that value. Could yeah. that change with information? Uh, yeah, it could change both ways, right? So I think as of right now, I'm sort of in that same camp where like I'm taking the value because. You know, unless he did something really, really, really heinous, um, you know, in, in like, or he's going to be charged. With, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like this, like you, you win by getting value. You know, like I mean, I, I don't. You know, it, yeah. it stinks. But that's the truth of the matter. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Al Bundy in the chat said he should be drafted by anyone if Anderson is gone, which is pretty much where y'all are at too. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not not that far off, Phil. Not that far off. All right. This is going to conclude. Our recap of the Combine. Thank you so much for watching the Pick 6 Podcast. I'm Katie Mox here with Will Brinson and Chris Trapazzo, not with a Z. Sometimes people pronounce his name wrong. We'll see you next time.
Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.